0: Good morning, folks. Everyone's doing well? Doing at least reasonable? Doing okay? Woo-hoo! Oh, we got some supers? In- All right. I got some feedback. That's good. I can't tell you how excited I am about the small groups. And it plays a lot into what we're going to talk about uh, today. Because as we're looking at James, I believe that he's given us a key. And I think that the text we're going to talk about today is especially important to the church today. The reason I think it's especially important is because our world is constantly changing, right? It's constantly changing. I think, you know, how much it's changed even in the last three years. Radical amounts of change. Uh, I think even further back, I don't know, some of you may remember, For you guys right here, I'm sorry. This might outdate you. You go 20 years ago, right? I was talking to a friend earlier this week, and if you go 20 years ago, and I needed to fix something in my house, then I would go down to the local hardware store, because we support local business, right? And we go down to, to Evans and White's, and I find somebody knowledgeable there, and that knowledgeable person talks to me about what's going on and then points me to the stuff I need, and then I go and fix it. Lord willing, (laughs) or break it worse. Who knows, we'll see. But fast forward about 10 years, 12 years, 2010, 2012, and the accessibility of information at our fingertips has evolved drastically, drastically. And with that, The work on my house has evolved drastically. I have been able to get so much done in the last 10 years because to find out how to fix a problem, the information is a minute and a half away, right? I don't have to drive to the hardware store. I can just go to Google and say, here's my problem, Google, or go to YouTube and show me a video, YouTube, and pop, there it is. It'll show me the stuff I need. It'll walk me through step by step and give me everything I need a visual learning experience for the visual learner to figure out how to fix my problem. That's a radical evolution in our communication. It's a radical evolution in how we engage with the world. Wouldn't you say? Pretty radical. In the same vein, I would argue that 50 years ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, if someone was feeling spiritually deprived or down or disheartened or curious about this Christ that saves, where would they go? They might go to a church. They may walk right in that door and ask some questions. What's this about? How can this help me? How do I fix the problem? I would argue that it's likely that most people in this day and age are going to Google. (laughs) Or they're going to YouTube. And I'll tell you what, they have access to the very best teachers and the very best worship leaders. You know what they don't have access to? Relationship. Relationship. Do you know what Christianity is all about? Relationship. It's about relationship, you can't get that on the internet, not in depth, and so what James is going to give us is he's going to give us a tool set, a kit, a line of communication that is timeless and that works through all culture, and we're going to learn about that today. You guys excited? I'm excited, because we need timeless communication. We need to learn how to work and do timelessly. And that way we approach things may shift, but there are timeless aspects to it, and we're going to learn about that today. So let's look at the text. Today we're looking at James 1, 19 through 27. As I said, I think this might be one of the more pertinent texts to the church today, because we have... I think it's like, I think 101 million people in the United States that said that they attend church regularly, as in like more than once a month. 100 million people. We have a million churches in the United States. I don't know that they've evaluated, that all of us have evaluated this text very well. And that's why we're going to look at it today. So James 1, 19... My dear brothers and sisters, that's us, take note of this. Got your notepads? All right, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth And the evil that is so prevalent. And humbly accept the planted word in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from becoming polluted by the world. Let's pray. God, we are so very thankful for your word. God, we want to be planting it deep within us. That it would impact and extend through every aspect of our being. God, we want to care for it, listen to it, so that it can grow and thrive in us. That we can grow and thrive in it day by day for your kingdom's glory. Amen. Amen. There's a lot of information in here, and I'll do what I can to cover it. Paul comes right out of the gate and says, "Take notes." And he says, "Be be quick quick to listen." You're doing a great job. <laughs> be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to becoming angry. I've heard it said that we have two ears. That's true, right? For most of us. Yeah? And one mouth, right? We have any math people in the room? I got a math degree. I can figure this one out. According to this philosopher, he said we should listen twice as much as we speak. Interesting. I think that's a great place to start. And I think I'm going to have a lot of catching up to do today. (laughs) We should listen twice as much as we're going to speak. Listening is crucial. We got to listen to God. We got to listen to his word, whether it's being taught to us as we're listening on Sunday and we're discerning on a Sunday, whether we're studying it day to day in our Bible studies, we need to listen we need to listen to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to listen to the, the call that God has placed on their heart. We need to listen and understand the giftings that they have and what those giftings mean. We need to listen to our neighbor. We need to listen and understand their, where they're at, how they're doing, how they're feeling. And understand how to communicate well with them. And that is going to come With listening. I spoke about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but when we don't, when we stop listening, when we stop being careful to place our priority in listening, we stop learning. It acts as a plateau of our own growth. Uh, and, and God is this vast and massive God. And it's important to understand the depth and richness of God to listen. Listen to God. Listen to his spirit. But also listen to the people or brothers and sisters in Christ because they have a different relationship with God. God's not different, but he's gifted and made them differently. And so they may see things differently. They may observe things that you're missing. Listen. Listen. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. We're a culture that is really eager to get our opinions out there. And I find myself even sometimes in conversation processing the next thing I'm going to say rather than hearing the things that are being said. If we go on social media and you spend a few seconds in your feed, you'll find that everybody has a lot to say. A lot to say. Now, you can't tell if they're listening, but they have a lot to say. And what does the thing, when you know, I, I don't think I have to tell you, but when you scroll down your social media feed and you see the things people are saying, for most of us, unless you have a very limited friend group, <laughs> uh, which is okay, no judgment, it might be better that we're not on social media at all, but... you. What is it that we see? It's prevalent every time I scroll. Anger, right? Anger, frustration, contempt, disgust. When we absorb those things, it's like cancer. It grows and grows. And within you, there's this ugliness of information that is tainting your perspective because it's fed by an emotion that's unhealthy, in some cases, to clarify. In many cases, as James points out, that our anger does not produce the righteousness of, that God desires. That is most of the angry cases. It's like a cancer. But this concept of being slow to speak isn't new. Let's look at Proverbs. We have in Proverbs 10:19 it says this: when words are many, transgressions is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 13:3: "Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens his mouth wide comes to ruin." Proverbs 29:20. 20. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. This isn't a new message but it's an important one, and it's one we desperately need in our lives if we want to learn and grow, if we want to build relationships, because without listening to people, it's hard to form trust, and trust is important for healthy and productive, God-glorifying relationship. We've touched on the angry bit. Be slow to anger, and this Access, you know, maybe, maybe guarding yourself against things that feed into your anger. Maybe when you're going to, to, to look at that really grumpy post about something terrible someone's done, uh, you should check yourself and say, maybe it's time I go listen to a nice peaceful worship song and chill out a little bit um, because this is playing into my emotions poorly. Be slow to anger. Moves on. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. And the evil that is so prevalent, there's a lot of different aspects of moral filth. And there's a lot of ways that we can allow that to kind of stick to us through life. Um, And I could probably preach a whole sermon on moral filth. But we're not going to go there today because I think there's a bigger lesson to be learned. But one of the things that I have talked about that I would consider moral filth is that cancer of anger. And so the wording that James uses here could be compared to cutting out a cancerous tumor. And so with that anger that may be building and for many of us has, has built up in some place within us, right? We have some frustrations that maybe are unhealthy. It might be good that this week that you're asking, one, having a posture of thanksgiving, but also asking God, where are these places in my heart where I may be harboring some cancerous anger and then working with God, Lord willing, to cut that out. Humbly accept the planted word in you which can save you. The Holy Spirit is with us Amen? We want to take his, the Lord's, our, the word, right? And plant it deep within us. So like in the prayer that we're planting, we're positioning ourselves next to streams of life so that our roots can grow deep. So that we can always be connected to the life, the living water. Let it be deep within you. Let it be the priority of your life. Every moment. Life's difficult and there's a lot of different distractions. What I'm saying is, as a, there's good practices that you can do to prioritize that deep planted word. It may be getting up in the morning and being thankful for the day. Being thankful that God's given you an opportunity to spread his glory another day. Whatever that looks like. It may look like taking care of things at home. It may look like taking care of that project, or John mowing the lawn, right? Just about any time I'm asking him what's going, what what's God doing in your life today, he's like, "Well, I'm mowing the lawn," so, <laughs> and that's good. That's good. But let it be deep in you. It can save you. It provides that we're going to get into the perfect law, providing freedom grasping hold of this deep-rooted word allows you to more easily connect with the perfect law and the freedom that it brings. In 22, it says this, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Last week, we talked about lies and the fact that we tell ourselves lies and those lies can cause guilt they can cause shame they can gum up the gears of our lives and cause us to be ineffective and create all kinds of issues and we addressed that as a body we had many people uh, write their lies down on paper and then destroy them and it was a beautiful beautiful experience there's another lie, that, type of lie that I want to address today, and that is we live in a culture where we have all this information at our fingertips. And I would argue that there is, well, not it's not even arguable. I will say to you, because it's true, uh, there is more information available to you today than there has ever been available to you in your life, and that'll be true tomorrow. the next day and the next day. With every day, more and more and more and more information is available. We're in a culture that's lacking in knowledge or understanding. I think that it's really easy to learn things and find things out like never before. If I have a question about something that scripture says, it's very easy for me to find different perspectives on what it means. And I think that there's a hunger for knowledge. And I think in some ways that's really positive. I think about this week as I was preparing for the message, and I think about our time in the small groups and the things we learned and how good it was. You know, how I was, I'm so excited about what God is doing. And so digging into his word and wanting to understand has brought an enthusiasm about what he's doing today. The lie that I'm going to warn you of and the lie that James is warning us of Is that if it ends with knowing, then you've deceived yourselves. I think we have 100 million people that go to church in the U.S. And many of them go to church and they learn a bunch of stuff. And then they leave and they pat themselves on the back. Boy, I accomplished a lot today. That's a lie. Maybe that rubs you a little wrong. I'm okay with it. It's a lie. They didn't accomplish anything. They learned some stuff and maybe they'll apply that stuff. But I think a lot of us learn things and didn't do nothing with it. And if that is the case, we're lying to ourselves. And James points this out. It's absurd. He says, think of a person, this word for look when he says the man that looks in the mirror, right? That word for look is like deeply examining. It's like me sitting in the mirror and looking and being like, how many gray hairs do I have now? Counting them or maybe you're putting on makeup, or maybe you're shaving, you know, you're examining, you're you're being careful, you're observing, and then to walk away and forget, you know, one, what you did, or one, what you may need to do if you're, like, getting really shaggy. I know last night when I was looking in the mirror, I'm like, gotta shave before church tomorrow, or else I'll look like a gorilla. It'd be like me looking in the mirror, seeing that I look like a gorilla, and being like, no. And then coming to church, looking like a gorilla to you guys, and you're like, man, that is one big monkey on the stage. And me just not knowing because I totally forgot about it. Doesn't make any sense. I don't forget I look like a gorilla. (laughs) The mirror reminds me of that all the time. Uh, But it's as absurd to come and listen and observe and learn from the Word and walk away and do nothing as it is to look in the mirror and forget what you look like. It's absurd. It's absurd. It makes no sense. There are many more things you can do with your time that will be massively valuable to your life, to your health, than learning a whole bunch about something you're not going to do anything with. I love hobbies. I'll spend about 20 times the amount of time learning about a hobby as I do doing the hobby, and that's probably absurd. James would be like, man, you're a fool, just like that guy looking in the mirror. But the point is, To look deep in the word, to learn a lot, and then do nothing with it is absurd. It's absurd. It makes no sense. We want to be doers of the word. Amen? Guy's throwing punches up here. It's okay. You can come and punch back later if you want. I'll take it. Let's look at 25. Whoever looks intensely into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they've heard but doing it they will be blessed in what they do notice it doesn't say they'll find success in what they do there can be blessings and failure and suffering these are hard things to understand to wrap our mind around certainly something that is different about being a christian which has value to the world the perfect law it came up that there may be questions around what the perfect law is so i'll give you my best summary the perfect law is the law completed so that's everything right it's 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 everything that's in here but christ completed it right and then he summarized it right and how did he summarize it do we does anyone know there, yeah, that's, that is a, that's a longer summary. He even summarized it shorter. There you go. There it is. I heard it from a few people. Love God and love people. And part of loving God is pursuing purity, which James will talk about in the last verse. And loving people is looking after orphans and widows. Fulfilling the perfect law brings freedom. Taking, like we talked about two weeks ago, the yoke god's work upon you brings freedom it's not easy but it brings freedom when we're meeting in small group uh christian hey christian sorry to pick on you bud he presented a a great analogy which i hadn't heard um so i'm going to share it with you they did a study and i checked to make sure this was real i do trust you christian but i checked it anyway <laughs> they did a study they called it the playground study anyone heard of the playground study Well, oh, alright I'm going to share it with you so what they did is they had a bunch of kids and they went and they went to a playground and on one of the playgrounds that they went to there, it was just open to the public and so you had the playground but there was like no, nothing defining like the boundaries of the playground and then in another case, they had a playground where it was fenced in. There was a border around the playground. And what's interesting is that the study found that with the kids in the playground without boundaries huddled around the teacher. They didn't go very far. They wouldn't, they wouldn't leave the side of the teacher. They wouldn't explore all the different things on the playground because... They didn't know where the playground ended and the the world began. But in the playground with the fence around it, the kids explored all of it. They checked out every nook and cranny. They were willing to check the grass out in the corners. Is there something cool in that corner? I know it's safe. There's a fence. And the point is that when we have healthy guidelines and boundaries, things to live by, which Christ and the Word gives us, and the Holy Spirit, there's freedom. We get to explore it all without fear. How cool. How cool. So, we're going to kind of bring this around and finish this up. And I'm going to hit on the lie again. We talked about telling ourselves lies of learning, 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 and, and, and it being pointless. Well, James hits on this again, I believe, and he says, those who, in 26, he says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do uh, not keep a tight rein on their tongues, are slow to speak, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. And then he defines what God sees as pure and faultless religion as looking after orphans and widows in their distress. This is the same language that's used in Matthew to describe taking care of the sick and the poor and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Hmm. So, Christians, 100 million, going to church regularly. It's easy to get caught up, brothers and sisters, in the trappings in the room, the type of music that we're doing, the type of sermons that we're preaching. It's easy to spend a lot of time and invest a lot of time thinking about how we do this and how this is impacting the world. You're lying to yourself, okay? That's the argument I'm gonna make. And you may feel weird about that, but we can equip each other. We have an hour and a half here. We're gonna get everybody revved up and then we're gonna go, you know, change the world. The changing of the world doesn't happen in this room. bringing glory to God Happens in this room. Amen? Encouraging each other. Happens in this room. Amen? Worshiping the glorious king who is creator and savior of all we are. Happens in this room. Amen? Saving the world. That happened in this room? Got a lot of amens. We're going to try it again. Saving the world. Does that happen in this room? No. We can pray. And that's really good. That's really good. Because without the Spirit, we can do nothing. Nothing. He's going to do it all. But if it's ending here in our little huddle, then it's ending here. (laughs) This is why I believe that this text gives us the key to communicate with the world. I'll invite up the worship team. You can listen to a better teacher than I will ever be. That is certain. You can listen to a better worship leader and musician than I will ever be. And that's for sure. But we get to do something much greater than that. We get to do the word together. It's not about just me. It's not about just you. It's about us. We get to be doers of the word together This is the most powerful tool of communication we have and ever will have in an ever-changing world. Let's not wait to improve this. Let's take action to be a community that is moving and doing God's work, His word, today, tomorrow, and continue to improve every day until He comes or we go to be with Him. Amen? Let's grow together towards maturity in Christ so that we can better together do the word and bring love to the community around us. Amen? Because a communication that is different and lasts forever and never changes will always be God's unfailing, unconditional love. People need people need love. We know love. Amen? Amen. We receive love and the power and the freedom that love from the Father brings. Amen? Amen. We need to go and share that with the world. Amen? Amen? Would you stand with us? We're going to worship together.